2: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Man, things are getting things are getting rocky out there. And you know, I I, I see the tide turning. I do. You know, BlackRock has taken. Uh, I think it's a 1.7 trillion dollar loss. BlackRock. Whoever who would have ever thought they would they would be too big to fail, right? Um. I thought that it would be too big to fail. That didn't come out the right way. But definitely, they're on some rocky shores right now. And there's a lot of other companies. Walmart, for example, that have you know kind of went woke. Um, and they're seeing losses. Now, that being said, I think Amazon's doing okay. But for the most part, when you look at Consumer Confidence Index, which is coming out today... That's going to reflect uh, sentiment. But we already know what the sentiment is. We already know that um, the interest rates that are going to go up by the Fed today or tomorrow, uh, they're going to go up 0.75 to, uh, of a point, 75% of a point to a whole point, which is going to drive mortgages up. The, uh, the cost of borrowing money is going to go up. And the fundamentals are right there for this to be worse than they expected. You know, I made a mistake about gas prices. And I didn't do it on the show, I, actually. I, I did it uh, talking to a Lyft or a Ly- Uber driver. And they asked me, what do you think, uh, where do you think gas prices are going to go? I said, I think they're going to continue to go up. And they did for a while. They did go up. But then they started going down, which reminded me, because uh, that wasn't in my prediction, what, it reminded me that I'm not an economist. I studied economy, but uh, certainly not an economist. And um, But the one thing I, I miscalculated with regard to my thoughts about um, where gas prices were going to go, and I still think that they might go up. The only thing that triggered, the only thing that changed my trajectory or calculation a little bit was the factor that says people are buying less gas. People are doing without. And so therefore, uh, the price, the supply and demand, the, the price goes down. Because people can't afford the gas. They go to the pump and they're up to $80 and they go, if I go to 120 that's, going to cut into my food supply. Then they go to the grocery store and you got the price of goods, you know, price of food is skyrocketing. And then you read these articles about fertilizer being withheld or fertilizer plants going up in flames. And then you look over here and Abbott, you know, shut down their baby food supply. And I understand that that's still a problem. We're not out of the woods with regard to baby food, maybe tampons. I don't know. But the thing is, you start to look around. You start to say, okay, my mortgage rate's up 39%. Last I checked, I think it's going to go up even further now. It's going to go up 45%. Your mortgage is going to go up. You look over there and you say, well, where's my reprieve? I still have to get to work in order to pay for this mortgage that I can't afford. And that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Now, the the fact that the prices went down just a little, the only reason why that is, is because people are consuming less gas, less oil. They can't afford it. So they buy less of it. You know, if the price of bananas goes up from 60 cents a Uh, a a grouping to uh, $500 a grouping, you're not going to buy No bananas will be sold. So a lot less gas is being consumed, and that's the way the green people like it, don't they? They love it. They loved COVID because not only was COVID um, keeping you inside and preventing you from spending money on petrofuels, you know, exhausting petrofuels, but it also was helping uh, with, uh, they thought, I don't think it actually did, but uh, they were hoping that maybe it would shrink the world's population, which the globalists think is too too large. So we've all heard these globalists talking about wanting to lower the population. They thought, and, and not only that, but like in a Hitler-esque way, we only want the, where he said, we only want the Aryan race. We don't want the Jews. We don't want... Uh, dark-skinned people, Margaret Sanger, same thing. The, the founder of Planned Parenthood. What, what's great about abortion is it'll kill off all the dark people, the indigenous people. We'll get and we'll just only have a white race. See, this is the Democrats' socialism. They they only pick who they like, and they let the others just, you know, they'll kill them off, gas chamber, COVID whatever, open borders, people are bringing all kinds of monkey pox. There was a nine to six ruling at the WHO, which a communist now is one of the, uh, is a woman, I don't know her name, but she just was appointed, she's a communist, self-proclaimed communist, and she is now second in command to Tetros, I believe, who is also a commie, And a tribal warlord that killed a lot of people in Africa. And they're heading up the WHO. And despite the fact that it was a 9-6 to against monkeypox being declared a worldwide pandemic or an emergency, um, they decided, Tetra said, I disagree and never mind the vote. Sort of like Zelensky, you know. Shutting down all of his political opponents, turning the mainstream his mainstream media into a state-run media, no different than Putin. The only thing is Putin actually is fighting with a purpose because he's fighting against globalist tyranny is what, really what he's doing. He's fighting against a global threat to his existence, and the global threat is the expansion of NATO and the expansion of globalism and the fact that they're so powerful now. And BlackRock was a big piece of that. Big piece of that. It was a big piece of that, BlackRock. You've heard me talk about BlackRock quite a bit. There are several stories out now, several, where they talk about... They talk about, um, I'm going to pull them up here, but they talk about investment giant BlackRock loses $1.7 trillion, get this, in six months. Now, from what I've read, they only had $13 trillion, only, right, only, $13 trillion in, in overall assets. This is The Daily Wire, it says, BlackRock lost $1.7 trillion of its clients' money since the beginning of the year. The lar- this would be front-page news anywhere. The largest sum ever lost by a single firm over a six-month period, according to a Wednesday report from Bloomberg analyst Mark Rubinstein. Wow. So among BlackRock's, now that Wednesday report would be of last week. Right. So among BlackRock's largest holdings are technology companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Amazon and Tesla. You know, see, one of the problems is people don't have disposable income. They're not going to buy electronics. And and one of the problems with regard to the Consumer Confidence Index is it's impacted by GDP. So that explains the reason why it is that there, uh, the Biden administration is lying to you about what is a recession? Because you get two quarters in a row of downward trend, like a neg- two negative quarters of GDP, and what you end up having is a recession. That's been the rule since the beginning of history. The beginning of history. It's never been calculated any different until today. So now you're going to get the consumer price confident consumer confidence index. And you're going to later in the week get the GDP, which is going to be negative. Otherwise, you wouldn't be seeing all this spin ahead of it. So it's more than likely going to be negative. That's going to be the second negative quarter. But I think it's worse. I think that this recession is going to be worse because the inflation is 9.1 today, but. I think that the inflation is going to go up. You know, inflation is supposed to, uh, you know, you raise rates in order to create inflation, but what's happening is you raise rates to slow the economy, but the economy was already struggling with the gas inflation and with the food inflation. I mean, with uh, with some of the things that aren't part of a natural flow of, of spending. And and then you take into con- consideration, you take into consideration the labor participation rate. There's a lot of numbers on that. So let's just get started with some of our clips and we're going to continue with this BlackRock thing. Um, it says, Among BlackRock's largest holdings are technology companies. We just read them. The first half of 2022 brought an investment environment that we have not seen in decades. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink said in the company's second quarter earnings report, investors are simultaneously navigating high inflation, rising rates, and the worst start to the year for both stocks and bonds in a half a century, with global equity and fixed income indexes down 20% and 10% respectively. So Rubenstein, the guy from Bloomberg, ad- attributed the loss to an increased reliance on passive investment, which tends to, su- to suffer during short-term declines in the stock market. BlackRock is increasingly given up, giving up at the end of June, only about a quarter of its assets were actively managed to beat a benchmark. Now, this reminds me of the housing crisis of 2008, when You saw this massive collapse, and some of the richest companies uh, went under. AIG, I think, was one. Um, BlackRock, of course, Lehman Brothers, things like that. BlackRock has also garnered attention for its embrace of environmental, social, and governance. That's the ESG that we were talking about. We talked about this, and they're selling carbon credits and things like that. Um, and that's why Tesla was at odds with um, some of these globalists on this, and they weren't giving him a good report, and he trashed the ESG. And they were kind of at war with each other, even though Tesla, uh, Elon Musk is a you know liberal and a uh, globalist himself, a New World Order guy, bowing to China every day of the week. That's Elon Musk which in turn has suffered, uh, the ESG investing has suffered in the current downturn. By adopting ESG goals, or in the case of BlackRock, pushing portfolio companies into adopting ESG goals, executives commit themselves to pursuing green energy, appointing a certain number of minorities to serve as managers, or otherwise blending profitability with progressive politics. And that's never going to work because it fails every government. And governments are almost too big to fail. Then you got to look at BlackRock and you got to look at other corporations and you got to say, well, this isn't going to work for them either. And I think that the best thing that could happen, that's just why I, I oppose the bailouts of 2008. And I think in some ways the best thing that can happen is that this whole business model, where you get this biggest monopoly on the planet, And somehow, they're so moronically stupid. Larry Fink is one of the most ridiculously stupid men in the world for actually having everything in place to where he couldn't possibly fail and still figure out a way to snatch victory from the... For snatch, snatch, what is it? How does that saying go? Snatch victory from the jaw, from, snack a, snag a loss from, from the jaws of victory, right? I mean, he basically has figured out a way to fail even BlackRock. Which, I mean, if you're a, a monkey and you get out there and you, you know, they had that monkey test where they were picking stocks and the monkeys, you know, outperformed the stock investors because it's 50 50, it doesn't matter, right? Shiny object. It's like picking a horse because of the way it looked at you on the track. You know, it's just, how can you fail when you have, you know, Pepsi and Coke both in your pocket? You can't even fail if there's a boycott. They don't even have to compete. It's a monopoly. And that's why I'm against it. Because when, with these types of monopolies, the consumer you and me, the middle class, has no say and has no uh, uh, strength because we can't really manipulate through boycotts because boycotts aren't going to work if the profit's going to go to BlackRock at the top anyway. But to see this level of failure just means that they're just overly extravagant, that they're spending this money on things that aren't profitable, And that people are rising up and there are billions of people and the billions of people are speaking up and saying, we don't want government to control us. And so we have a lot of clips in the theme of that today that we're going to play. So this BlackRock thing I think is huge. Nobody's talking about it. Um, Rebel News also covered it, uh, which I thought was great. Um, Daily Wire covered this story. Uh, so BlackRock's ESG agenda backfiring. Again, that's the environmental... Um, what does that stand for again? But, you know, the uh, what we just read out, the environmental uh, social social credit score. The environmental, social, and governance investing score. All right, so they're basically just rehashing the Bloomberg article which I think, uh, and then they expand on it, though, and they talk about some other numbers. So within the equities business, the divergence is especially pronounced. Across the industry, assets have leached away from active strategies and into passive. In BlackRock's case, around $21 billion has flown out of active equity in the past decade, with $730 billion flowing into indexed equity. The firm's passive equity holdings are now ten times larger than its active businesses, although it does operate some active multi-asset and alternative strategies that narrow that, that narrow the gap. Rubenstein continued, uh, "For portfolio managers on the fixed income side, the evolution of the business portends an ominous future." Portends an ominous future. So that's the thing there. Um, again, I think that it's. Uh, I think that things are really looking worse than they are right now, despite the fact that the Biden administration is going to try to say we're now we're near a recession. I got news for you. There, there are some, there are these numbers that are just incredible. We're going to read them off to you, with regard to the labor participation rate. But let's take a listen to this exchange: Peter Ducey asking Biden. A question about a recession a recession and GDP, and Biden just lies to him.
3: And, Mr. President, we're getting right. GDP numbers on Thursday. How worried should Americans be
0: that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession, <laughs> uh, in my view. Uh, we uh, The employment rate is still one of the lowest we've had in history. It's in the 3.6 area. Uh, we still find ourselves with people investing Uh, my, my hope is we go from this rapid growth to a steady growth. And, uh, so see, we'll see some coming down, but I don't think we're going to, uh, God will. So I don't think we're going
1: to see a recession.
2: Right. Okay. He's going to be proven to be wrong there. Now, let me just say rapid growth, steady growth, rapid growth, rapid growth. There's no growth. There's no growth. That's just, we're just trying to get back to pre COVID days. And certainly that that has to happen at some point. And yeah, you can make the argument that this spike was to happen, but they should have known that the spike was going to happen, whether it's the Fed or whatever it is, these economic advisors. And they should have known that there were going to be— the tough times should have been before they actually did the omnibuses and the, the stimulus spending. I think it was upwards of $2 trillion on one tranche and then a trillion on another. It's like $3 trillion injected into the economy to put smiles on all these stupid libtards' faces. But the real people knew, the real uh, business minds knew this was playing with fire, stimulating the economy by injecting cash into it and injecting spending and buying off your political cronies and picking horses in a capitalist society like ours green over over fossil fuels even though green can't compete with fossil fuels they're going to choose the wrong horse and that presented a big huge problem and yeah so we're going to listen to a couple of these clips here um, that we wanted to hear. Um, there's also a lot of other stories that we could report on that we don't usually, uh, fight, you know, the fighting in, in uh, the New York City subway, the shooter out in Love Field, um, and this, these types of crimes are happening because of our DAs that are paid and backed by Soros. Um, there's just so much to all of this stuff. Um, One of the things that's really important as well is um, a couple of things uh, to that. Okay, so you got the Black Rock story. Um, Western Journal also reported that story. Uh, The entire North Carolina Police Department resigns in protest over a progressive town manager. Okay, that's one. So we got a lot of things happening like that. Uh, Just the News reported, with Strategic Petroleum Reserve at lowest level since 1985, U.S. sells stockpiled oil to China. Last Wednesday, every House Democrat voted against a ban on selling oil from our Strategic Petroleum reserves to China. Every House Democrat voted against a ban to do that. So we're going to continue to give China our oil. Otherwise, they're going to come out with more Biden stories. Like Hunter Biden stories. And so Joe Biden, of course, has to give them all of our emergency oil that we reserve during a time of war. But okay. Nobody's nobody's even concerned about that. The Biden administration recession denials are nonsense. Consumer spending accounts for seventy percent of all economic activity, consumer spending accounts. When a majority of Americans believe the US economy is in recession, that will affect spending because they won't buy as much. That's why they're lying, because it's sort of like a bad rumor, and it's going to it's gonna compound the problem, and that's what we're facing right now you know, because we don't co- trust them. But let's take a listen.
1: COVID issue to deal with, right, gentlemen? I'm, I'm noticing that Senator Joe Manchin is the latest boldface name to test positive for COVID-19. Uh, the BA5 variant, as it's called, has already prompted a 19% jump in cases over just the last couple of weeks. Uh, China's having rolling shutdowns again. Europe has seen about three and a half million new cases over the last few weeks. I'm just wondering, um, while these are not nearly as severe as the height of COVID, uh, we've always seen this sort of thing before we get something like that. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Is it a worry to you? Is it just noise? How do you look at it?
3: Yeah, Neil, I think that speaks to sentiment, right? Because, it, right, if, as COVID rears its head, it really is about the, the economy is fueled by, our consumers confident? They're confident they're going to go out and spend. And this is why I think it's nonsense, this term of shallow or technical recession. When Americans feel like they're in a recession, that's going to impact spending. It's almost like the chicken or the egg, which one comes first? Because we start to induce ourselves into this fear like we're in a recession. So if an Amer- if Americans, we take one less trip or maybe we don't go out to eat this weekend because of this fear of a recession that sends ripple effects throughout the economy. I think what you're getting to Neil is right. COVID is part of that as well. We were at our favorite uh, breakfast restaurant on Saturday. I asked the owner, how's the, how's business he Said, well, now that's COVID spiking, our business is down. So hmm. we're already starting to see it. So I think sentiment is the biggest thing going into the next
2: quarter. Well, and the numbers coming out this week are going to blow the doors off of sentiment. Um, also just for you, Pennsylvanians, Just is another story. I'm going up my Twitter feed a little bit here, but I have a lot of stuff queued up as well. Um, Fetterman, who's going against Dr. Oz, signs a pledge to ban fracking in Pennsylvania. Signed a pledge to ban fracking in Pennsylvania. That's Fetterman. So think about that. Think about it. So uh, Marissa Hansen writes, when is Hunter going to be charged with breaking fair laws you know they're they're going after steve bannon and everybody else when is that going to happen so Fauci says we need stronger restrictions let's take a listen
1: we know now two and a half years later that anywhere from 50 to 60 percent of the transmission occur from someone without symptoms either someone who never will get symptoms or someone who is in the pre-symptomatic stage had we known that then the insidious nature of spread in the community would have been much more of an alarm and there would have been much much more stringent uh, restrictions in the sense of very very heavy encouraging people to wear masks physical distancing or what have you
2: masks don't work they're not very effective they're three percent effective but this, in this same interview over at rising over at the Hill, uh, w- the question was, why was mask antibody, I thought this was a great question, why was mask, why was mass, not mask, mass antibody testing never part of your COVID response? Why was natural immunity never taken seriously? So I thought that was a great question. Let's listen to the answer to that in the same interview.
4: Dr. Fauci, why was mass antibody testing never part of your COVID response? Why was natural immunity never taken seriously? And do you consider that to be an error?
1: Well, you gotta be careful. What do you mean by natural immunity never taken seriously? You're making an assumption that I can't answer the question because I'm not sure where you're going with it. What do you mean by not taken seriously? We were always aware that if you get infected, you have a degree of protection against reinfection. What was not clear then, but what is very clear now, that the protection against natural infection, as well as vaccination, wanes over a period of time. That is very, very different from some of the other infections that we deal with, such as measles, and polio, and the ancient smallpox, where when you get infected, or you get vaccinated, the level of protection is measured in decades, if not a lifetime. So the people who were talking about natural immunity were making an assumption in some part, and not everyone, that once you get infected, you were essentially protected very, very well for an extended period of time. Then we found out that if you get infected and vaccinated, that that hybrid immunity is much better than infection alone or vaccine alone. These were all things that evolved in our understanding of them because we are indeed dealing with a moving target. And there was a lot of back and forth and criticisms and things that you were, I believe, referring to in your question to me that in many respects is not fair, because if you have a stable, static target, then you can start talking about what your approach, what your recommendation was, was it right or wrong. But when that target continues to change with new variants that elude protection, both from prior infection. Dr. Fauci.
2: All right, so here's the thing. He's been doing this for 50 years. He's acting like he's learning for the first time about a virus. The coronavirus is not a new virus. And he knows doggone well where it came from. He knows the origins of this. He knew, that, just like Deborah Burks admitted, they knew it was coming out of the Wuhan lab. And they knew that the vaccines weren't going to work. Yet he profited from this. They call it royalties. Remember that? Instead of kickbacks. Remember all the money? Remember all the tax dollars? Remember all the lives that were destroyed? The suicides? The kids wearing masks affecting their learning? Every single thing that this guy chose to do. And then even the administration on its way out of the pandemic failed to understand that there would be a spike in the economy that would cause inflation that was going to haunt us now. And it's only going to get worse. And that's the problem. Hopefully, some of these big, huge monsters like BlackRock will suffer as well. But people are losing their homes now. People are losing their jobs. You know, we're going to get into the labor participation rate thing later. But I'm telling you, The price of gas is killing people. They have to fill up their car and it's costing them money they can't even spend. And, you know, of course, you have to buy an electric car or you have to take uh, the train because you can't afford the gas. And that's exactly what the green wants, right? The green people, they want that. They had a sit-in, um in Chuck Schumer's office. And people were asking them, why didn't you go to Manchin's office? And they're like, <laughs> the answer was pretty much like, well, we have a guy that went astray. You know, we, we already lost Manchin. So it's an election year. We understand. We're going to go after Chuck Schumer instead. And the guy we had exchanging uh, debate with uh, Maria Bartiroma, Co-Rana, um, Ro Kana uh, Democrat from California, he... Uh, His staffers and a bunch of other liberal staffers like Cory Bush uh, also um, went over there and protested like juveniles. Can't believe these people are actually running as working as staff members for these congressmen. They're so ridiculous. And yet the woman from New Zealand, uh, Jacinda Adern, she's the prime minister of New Zealand. Here's what she wants you to do. Listen to this.
4: The most up to date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that
2: information. She was shooting rubber bullets into the faces of protesters who didn't want to get the jab. And she's saying, Trust us. Trust us.
4: The most up to date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, You can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear covid19.govt.nz Otherwise Dismiss
2: anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. Sounds like we Zelensky. Information
4: frequently. We will share everything we can. Uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. Uh, and so I really ask people to focus. The most egregious example of that appears to be this text, which originated in Malaysia and has kind of uh, has become a viral hoax in Australia and in New Zealand. How irresponsible is it the people that are sharing that news of a lockdown imminent in New Zealand? Yeah. And, and look, that's the kind of thing that adds. Um, to the anxiety that people feel. So I continue to share the message. New Zealanders must prepare, but do not panic. Prepare. And and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. And I really ask people, just visit um, uh, covid19.govt.nz. It has all of the up-to-date information. And we will continue to provide everything you need to know.
2: If it's not from us, it's not true. So she's her her own truth czar. Remember how wackadoodle that girl was that was heading up the truth czar, the Ministry of Truth? I mean, they're losing it. I said, yeah, government never lies to its people, especially the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Adern, who has authorized her police to shoot rubber bullets at anti-vax protesters. Globalists are losing, and they know it. They definitely know it, and this German over at the European Union knows it. Let's take a listen.
4: This vaccine campaign. This
2: is um, this is uh, Christine Anderson, German member of Europe Parliament, speaking at a European Parliament uh, committee hearing. Let's take a listen.
4: This vaccine campaign, it will go down as the biggest scandal in medical history. And moreover, it will be known as the biggest crime ever committed on humanity. Bingo. This vaccine campaign... I, I
2: couldn't agree more with that statement. That is the statement. Now let's take a listen to Dr. Fauci on the AIDS vaccine in 1999. Let's take a listen.
0: Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test.
1: If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? Any scientist?
2: Yeah, and uh, they made that mistake now because... It, it, they're finding out, they're having findings. Uh, this was on Tucker last night where they had findings where they were talking about um, the uh, menstrual cycles and the uh, uh, of women. You know, they, they, they never studied it. And it's like, oh, you tell us now you never... <laughs> that's going to affect the world population. And guess what? The people pushing the vaccines were the same people They were actually wanting to shrink the population. Remember Bill Gates said, you know, new vaccines, abortions, and socialized medicine with its death panels. You know, don't spend so much money cheap trying to keep an elderly person alive. Uh, Reproductive services like abortions and new vaccines. He said those three things. In order to curb the population, the projection was nine billion. He wanted it to be somewhere like six and a half billion or whatever. But you know, the idea is they stood for that. How about the guy from India standing out outside of the World Economic Forum saying, "They want more souls. I want less." Ha, ha ha!" And they just laughed. And we've played those clips like over and over again, but the reason why we play them is they're really important reminders of what we're up against, these evil, evil monsters we call globalists.
3: For my entire career, recession has been...
2: So this is Peter Schiff tells Ingram Angle, uh, for my entire career, recession has been described as second quarter, two quarters of negative growth. The reason the job numbers are up is because people are picking up a second job or coming out of retirement because they can't afford to live. Let's take a listen.
3: ...described by two quarters of negative GDP growth, and we've got that. In fact, the third quarter looks like it's going to be an even bigger contraction than the first two, so that's going to be three quarters. But, you know, Yellen said that a recession is not two consecutive drops in GDP. It's a broad-based economic slowdown. Well, that's exactly what we've got. THE AUTO INDUSTRY IS IN RECESSION. THE HOUSING INDUSTRY IS IN RECESSION. RETAIL IS IN RECESSION. ADVERTISING IS IN RECESSION. SO MANY UNRELATED SEGMENTS OF THE ECONOMY ARE IN RECESSION. HOW YOU CAN'T SAY THIS IS A BROAD-BASED SLOWDOWN, uh, I DON'T KNOW, DOESN'T MAKE ANY SENSE. AND, IN FACT, IT'S GOING TO GET A LOT WORSE IN THE THIRD QUARTER AND THEN PROBABLY THE FOURTH QUARTER AS WELL.
5: WELL, WHAT THEY'RE PEGGING IT TO, I THINK, is. The tight labor market we have, but the tight labor market is not corresponding with wage increases that actually can catch up to the cost of living and exceed the cost of living increases that everyone's having. So while people are getting raises,
3: well, it's, it's it doesn't than... mean
5: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean they're living better lives.
3: It, it... It's worse than that, Laura, because first of all, unemployment claims have now risen for, I think, three months in a row. We're at the highest level since October last year. We have 251,000 is the most recent uh, unemployment claims. You know, we were below 200,000 not too long ago. Meanwhile, if you look at that last job report, even though we added about 400,000 jobs in the establishment survey, the household survey, we lost about that many jobs. But if you actually look at the jobs, almost all these new jobs were for people who already had jobs. These were people taking second and third jobs because they're struggling to pay the bills and you have a lot of retirees who are being forced back into the workforce because inflation has eviscerated their incomes and now they have no choice but to go to work. So these are not jobs that people want. These are jobs that people are forced to take because the economy is so weak. Meanwhile, Uh, employment is a lagging indicator. I think we're going to see mass layoffs in the third and fourth quarter of this year as employers start to react to the reality of inflation by laying off workers.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that I didn't think about either is uh, something that he mentioned, he alluded to just there, and that is people are coming out of retirement because the inflation, uh, their retirement monies, you know, Social Security or whatever... Um, that they were depending on, or even their pensions. They're not going as far as they, they used to. You're going to start to see also in Exodus people taking their money to Thailand or someplace that's more affordable and just living someplace else, Mexico, wherever. It's getting to the point where I think you're going to start to see the open border go both ways. People are going to be like, I can't afford to live in America anymore. I got to go to a place where there's a peso, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I got to go to a place that's more uh, affordable for me. I can't afford it here. I mean, there's a lot of that happening and that would also be uh you know, impacting some jobs numbers, but there are other factors here. The other factors are that um that the unemployment, the unemployment, people requesting unemployment, is going up. And I think in large part, we haven't even seen the, uh, the negative impact of all these millions of people that are coming through the southern border illegally. And they're gobbling up all these cheap labor jobs. Meanwhile, you have these people at the bottom end of the spectrum out in the streets gangbanging and, and selling drugs, killing off a lot of our suburbans, children. And and uh, they're taking, uh, crime is going up because we're not incarcerating any of these people. You know, Lee Zeldin got attacked with a knife guy, right? And that guy was out immediately. And so, you know, New York is just a, you know, a place you don't want to be a victim of crime. There'd be no justice for you. And there's a fact here. It says, most catastrophic part, hor- horrific harms including mass global poverty, starvation and deaths were foreseen outcomes of unprecedented, unethical, and unscientific lockdowns, but all warnings were either ignored, suppressed, or silenced. I retweeted that. Um, Colvinder Core, MD, uh, was this woman that, uh, she's a physician, she, she tweeted that. She has 186,000 followers and you know, she's doing, she, she is very well respected. And it says the second wave of COVID. So if you thought COVID was bad, there, there's an illustration here. If you think COVID was bad, just take a look at the new COVID, which is called famine, famine, starvation. We're going to be in soup lines before you know it. And there will be no place to escape to because this is global. See, that's one of the other problems of globalism. They don't tell you about. If you'd like to get escape it because it's global, forget it. So listen to what Kulo Kulo, Kulo's had to say about the uh, protesters, um, the Green, the Green Initiative. Because what he said about these Greenies. There's actually a sit-in
0: going in Chuck Schumer's office by radical Greenies protesting the fact that Chuck and Biden have not yet adopted so-called emergency measures that would unconstitutionally ignore the Supreme Court and turn the U.S. into a totalitarian green state. This story gets sicker and sicker. I mean, it's a battle between the left, the far left, and the completely over-the-edge interplanetary left. But, question, are Republicans really riding to the rescue? especially Senate Republicans. You heard me last week riff against this completely unnecessary, big spending, $250 billion corporate welfare, industrial planning, out-China-China subsidy boondoggle, allegedly for the semiconductor industry, but with new cylinder like slush funds for the energy, commerce, and transportation departments.
2: He might be talking about the chips bill there, but in any case, he gets wonkish, but the left the radical left and the and the gloomy left right i mean that's what we're up against that's who seems to be running the the show and then here's what we're up against too this is um this is um uh, robert downey jr remember the um remember the actor robert downey uh jr he was a uh, you know famous actor right and um uh, he's on with um Colbert, and he's pushing bugs. You're gonna eat bugs before you know uh, it. Uh,
5: uh, it's incredibly comfortable. Now, what is? They're this? already this grooming you like to do this. I could make cocoa with this. What is? Right. What is that? Well, uh, that's an insect-based premium protein. It's made from molitor, which is mealworm larvae. Uh, the company is called Insect. This is infras. This is for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And as you have there. This is a powder derived from the mealworm, and it's a insect protein just been approved by the EU for human consumption. You're not just getting me to eat dirt, are you? <laughs> no, man, I wouldn't play you, bro. We're like one. We're like one entity now. It that is, be, it oh, is, if this is protein, it's essentially tasteless. It's just a protein supplement. Exactly. I can put and this I mean, in a smoothie or something. I'm telling you, yep, and they'll be making all kinds of stuff out of it. And by the way, it is the, the the making of it is severely reducing the the amount of emissions it takes. It is it is a innovation just in we're doing something incorrectly. If we make this switch, it's a huge huge
2: So when you kill all the mosquitoes or the bugs or whatever it is that you what the cockroaches that they want you to eat what is that going to do to, what, what's the effect of that? You know, we never even think about that. You know, I hate spiders, but I see a spider creating a web on my balcony, and I'm going to let the spider do its business. I'm not going to kill that spider. He's not hurting me. Just keep on building that web. Maybe it'll keep the bugs from coming into my balcony, right? Whatever. It's all part of nature. But these people wanted you to eat bugs, because we're about to experience famine. Here's another tweet, tweet uh, I retweeted. It says, Wiley Food Science. Don't miss July's uh, paper of the month. Okay. This review pr- proposes new alternative protein sources, including single-cell protein and, indel- and edible insects that may have potential for use in food. So Wiley, International Journal of Food Science and Technology, free to read paper of the month. Oh, wow. Great. So James Lindsay writes, get rid rid of nitrogen fertilizer, collapse protein supply chains, and introduce an amazing new solution. That's the communist strategy in the 21st century. They want you to eat bugs. The Democrats are more responsible for the J6 security debacle than Trump. The House ignored six warnings. Mayor Browser held back National Guard. U.S. uh, uh, Capitol Police held doors open for protesters. Trump wanted J6 to be safe. The Pentagon ignored him. That is a fact. So Kyle Becker wrote a story on that. I recommend and I I retweeted. Um, Also, I wanna to get to the uh the the uh, other numbers. But there were some other great clips too. Um, you know, listen to this Corey Bush um do you want Joe Biden to run again? All right? Let's take a listen.
3: Do you wanna see Joe Biden run for a second term? She's going to go. Yeah, I you know that, that's an easy question. It's not gonna take long. Do you want to see Joe I, Biden? I wanna
4: answer that question okay. because we have not that's not yeah, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Um I mean, he's the president and he has the right to to run for a second term, absolutely. That's but, right but I don't want to I don't I don't want. I'd rather you not do that uh, answer. So you got like 2
3: minutes to be in the car. Yeah, uh, I know I got to get to the
2: Well, thanks very much. She put the dumb in Congresswoman, Um really, she's about as dumb as a rock. But um in any case, um that's that. So, here's a meme It says, uh, uh posted by the uh Russia today. WHO chief declares monkeypox a global emergency. Wow. Okay, another another trip down memory lane there. Rising serpent writes, China was near total hegemonic control has near he- total hegemonic control over the pharmaceutical supply chain, not only in the US but for most of the world and barely any American politician seem inclined to talk about it, let alone take steps to kickstart domestic manufacturing and restore American sovereignty. So, Christine Anderson, who we heard speak about the crimes against humanity regarding COVID, said globalist organizations like WHO, WEF are to blame for the decline of our democracies, the increase in our living expenses, as well as for the destruction of our economic strength. Support the global walkout of reignite freedom now. And it's called A Global Walkout. Go to reignitefreedom.com. I would endorse that every step of the way and every second of the day. Um, all right. So I have these numbers that I wanted to find Oh, here. Okay. A very interesting – okay. So we're going to go, go through some of these um, things that I actually kind of mentioned last week and also yesterday – Unemployment was at 3.7% in June and not a, not and, and not at 9.1% because the labor force participation dropped from before the Great Recession levels, never to recover. This isn't your grandfather's low unemployment rate. Besides, initial unemployment claims are up 40% from three months ago. Initial unemployment claims are up 40% from 3 months ago. US jobless claims continue to hint at stronger headwinds for the labor market. US jobless claims continue to hint at stronger headwinds, which is not good. New filings for unemployment benefits rose to an eight-month high. Claims are still now historically speaking uh, are still low historically speaking. But the persistent uptrend is starting to look worrisome. A very interesting figure, Japan has experienced a rapid increase in the labor participation rate, four points since 2016, one point per year, presumably from the FLFP. I don't know what that is. Uh, it, if we looked at people aged 22 to 64, the level difference would have been more apparent. And so they have a graph of all these different countries. And also, the labor participation rate for men and the labor participation rate for women. And we're we're very much floundering in both categories. Steve Hilton writes, Floundering Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen Yellen, claims to Chuck Todd that we have an extremely strong labor market. At 62.2%, Whoops! At sixty-two point two percent, we have the lowest labor participation rate outside the econ- economy-wide shutdown for forty-five years. So, I don't know what he's—you know—they're talking about. Uh, Trump had the highest labor participation rate almost in history, but second in history, I think. The highest, pre-COVID pre-pandemic, but the pandemic was an attack and an assault on humanity by the globalists. And nobody really reports it that way, but that's the way it should be reported. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapac.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. This show is part of it. We do it every day. And be sure to use Red State over at mypillow.com. They're even selling coffee now. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye
1: bye,